0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Fort Sinopoli cultural podcast. This is a podcast all about Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan, looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you, as always, for listening. This is our Bologna review episode, and I'm joined by a couple of guests to help me with this review. They've both been on the podcast before. In fact, they've both been on Forza Napoli Worldwide before. I'll start with Matt Laneve. Matt, how are you? I'm doing well, Joe. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure to have you back. And our second guest is Ben, who joins us all the way from Australia. Ben, welcome back.
0: Thank you very much, Joe. Thanks for having me. Good to be back.
1: Yeah, it's a pleasure. We've been trying to get you on for so long, but uh, unfortunately, we just couldn't get our calendars to line up. So it's great to finally get you back on the podcast. It's,
0: It's hard being in the future. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, so it's funny. A quick story on that: we're in a in a small chat group, and uh, I, so I watch the games on the Zone Italy, and it seems like my stream is always just a couple of minutes ahead. So when I'm tweeting or messaging people, I, I try not to say anything because I quickly realize that I've seen the goal or whatever the red card before uh, someone else. And so I said to Ben the other day, like, I don't know how you do this living in the future business because I'm like 10 minutes ahead and I already, <laughs> I hate it. So. <laughs> but it's definitely great to have you back. So let's get right into it. We're going to talk about the Bologna match. By the way, I mentioned Fort Worldwide. For those of you who have reached out to me about this series, I haven't forgotten about you. It's just with so many games packed into the schedule these days, it's hard to find the time, but I do plan on having a couple of those episodes coming out soon, so stay tuned for that. So let's get to the Bologna match. Normally, I start just with general thoughts on the match, and then we get to individual performances later, but we're going to mix it up a little bit and start with the individual performances. And I think actually most of the match will really be about that because there were a lot of individuals that stood out in this match. But I think we have to start with Chucky Lozano. We won the match 2-0 and he scored both of the goals. Matt, I'll come to you first. What did you make of Lozano's play?
2: I thought he uh, had one of his best performances of the season. You know, he's been a player that's been on and off a little bit this season. Him and Politano both, I must say. But I mean, he got two very important goals. I think that's good for his confidence and good to bounce back from that loss against Fiorentina in the Coppa Italia. I also thought he did well defensively. At the very beginning of the game, looked like Sansone had a breakaway and Lozano, he just charged him down and made a strong defensive play. So overall, a great performance from him.
1: Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. That Stood out to me as well, almost more so than the chance that he missed early in the match was that tackle that he made tracking back. Ben, I know I think it's fair to say that you've been critical of Lozano. I think most of us have been. Let's be honest. It really hasn't been a great season for him, especially after, I guess, the first half that he had last season. I guess it's too soon to call this a redemption for him, right? Like, I, I think as good as this performance was, we need to see this a bit more consistently.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Very happy. I mean, I'm, I'm as happy as the next person with the two goals. And like Matt pointed out, fantastic defensive efforts. He really showed a glimpse of of that Lozana that we've really been missing. But yeah, I think I'm going to reserve the, the redemption just for now. I do want to see him uh, do that a little bit more consistently and see him return back to the form that he had uh, in the previous
1: season. This was his first goal since October 3rd. And he's missed some sitters since then. So the criticism hasn't been unwarranted. And obviously when you make the comments that he made, just to remind everyone, and I'm sure everyone remembers, but he said he basically wants to play for a bigger club one day. People are going to have their eyes on you, even more so than they already do in Napoli. And my friend Anna always says that he really pissed off San Gennaro with those comments. And since then, he's he's been kind of cursed. And so it was great to see him break out of that curse. When he missed that chance early in the match, I tweeted that he just couldn't buy a goal. And I think some people misconstrued that as criticism. Really, what I was trying to say is that when things are not going your way, they really don't go your way. But as you guys said, he was making the effort at both ends of the pitch. And I also tweeted that I felt like it was coming for him because of those plays. that He he just seemed more into this match maybe than than any other match so far this season. On on that first chance, I thought he made a great run and he took the ball down well. And it was more that Skorupski just made a really good save to prevent the goal. And we'll talk more about Fabian in part two, but the ball that he played over the top was something else as well, just the weight on that pass. He was really up for this match, and it was like he was playing the way he did under Gattuso. So I thought he was pretty deserving of that goal. The first goal scored in the 20th minute. He was assisted by Elif Elmas. So let's talk about that a little bit. Ben, what did you think of that first goal?
0: Uh, <laughs> well, not to open it with a criticism. He was probably pretty lucky because it did come off his shin pad. But uh, in saying that, I mean, you've got to be in the right spot to have the opportunity in the first place. And he was there. I thought Elmas, with that little body feint that he did, that he's, he does so well, beat his man and just played that that beautiful ball in. And it was nice for him to be there too. Um, yeah, to get the finish. That was great.
1: First of all, I agree that one thing you can't criticize Lozano for is he's good at getting in a position to score. It's really his finishing that has been poor this season. He, he always seems to create these chances or be in the right spot at the right time. He just hasn't put the ball in the back of the net. I do think that he was maybe a little bit fortunate in that it wasn't as clean of a hit as you know you'd like to see from a striker. It did kind of come off his shin, but I think you know when you're in a funk, you you almost need a bit of luck on your side to break out of it, and then hopefully that takes the weight off your shoulders. You start to to feel less pressure. You play more freely, and and then the goals start to come. So hopefully that's what happens with Lozano. Matt, what did you think of that goal? It
2: was a great goal. Uh, I also wanted to point out the little pass over the top from Zielinski to find Elmas, and then Elmas setting up Lozano. But overall, great team goal, just like the second one too. So very impressive.
1: Yeah, I thought Zelensky, we'll talk about him in part two as well, but I thought he was really pulling the strings on this goal. He was sort of the guy that was moving horizontally side to side. And then you had Lobotka, Fabian, Mario Rui kind of supporting Zelensky, And then, as you said, he picked out Elmas, it's funny with Elmas. Of course, last episode I talked about how when we give him the ball, he needs to pass it off quicker. It's like he always seems to be looking to take on the defender and then sure enough in this match he does it and he assists the goal. So, <laughs> what do I know, right? <laughs> but um, you know, I, I was glad to see that it was it was an excellent pass and one thing that I didn't see too many people talking about but I think needs to be recognized is also the dummy that Mertens played on this goal. I don't know if that's because He's played as a winger. He's played as a number ten, which are positions where you're as much of a, a playmaker as you are a goal scorer. And you know, I think true number nines, in most cases, they would have tried to receive that ball, control it, and and go for a goal. Whereas Mertens let it go. He lets it run on, and Lozano finishes. And. And, you know that also says something about his awareness of where his teammates are and and his confidence and and the chemistry he has obviously he's been playing for the club for a long time so I think we have to give Mertens a little bit of a shout out on on that goal as well. I want to talk about Victor Osiman a little bit because I think that was for me at least the other big story in this match, which was the return of Osiman. Again, I've hinted at talking about Fabian and Zielinski, so we're gonna save that for part two, but. I want to get both of your thoughts on Oseman returning for this match. Ben, he came on around the 70th or 71st minute. We were already up 2-0 at that point. Do you think it was wise to even play him in this match?
0: Yeah, I was surprised. Up until when they had uh, put out the team sheet, I was certain this was um, just pure speculation. So yeah, I was surprised to see him get out there. But in saying that, I kind of feel confident in the medical staff and and everyone behind the scenes. Surely they wouldn't be taking unnecessary risks. He has the face mask now, so maybe he is actually okay to start being eased back into games. But, yeah, definitely was a little worried and definitely hoping uh, he wasn't going to get too involved in the game. And luckily, yeah, we were 2-0 up. Yeah, we didn't have to press too much and just sort of had to retain retain the ball
1: for the final 20 minutes. Yeah, I was a little surprised as well. I think you're right. The two doctors that did the surgery, one of them basically came out and said that he is healed. He'll need to wear the mask until the end of March. But his view was that it's safe for him to play. It was more a matter of his physical condition because he hadn't played in a while, whether he would be fit to play. So I agree. I think obviously they wouldn't have played him if the medical staff didn't give them the green light. And I think Osman, it was also very eager to get going. Like you could even see him, you know, he's, he's out there kicking the ball around that halftime. He's, he's on the touchline kind of shouting instructions, pointing to where players should run. So it seems like he was really, really eager to go. Matt, what did you think of that 20 minutes with Osman in the lineup?
2: Oh, well, I was going to say, it's good to see him back in the lineup and, you know, just kind of ease his way in. Uh, I thought he was a little rusty, but you know, that's kind of expected with him being out for some time, did play with like a lot of energy and did have one chance near the very end. It looked like Diego Deme had a beautiful outside of the boot through ball. And, um you know, Oseman, he made a great run on that play, but looked like he struggled to really get a solid shot off. Maybe he could have played in Patania. I'm not too sure what would have been the best option there, but a little rusty. But at the end of the day, he's been out for a
1: long time, so. just good to see him He's back in I think we immediately saw the impact that he can have on a game even though he like you said he was a bit rusty he's just such a threat with that outlet pass and something that's really been missing for this team especially with the counter-attack I've said this previously on the podcast that our counter-attack is almost non-existent when he's not there and you throw him into the lineup and you see it you saw it on that play where that pass by them, it was a nice pass, but it was a little bit under hit. And Oseman kind of came back and won the ball from, I think it was Lewis Binks. And then, yeah, he he almost stumbled a little bit. And that's why he missed a shot. And then there was another play where I can't remember who played the long ball to him. And he didn't get there, but he put the pressure on the defender and forced him to play the ball back. And you really feel like the energy goes up when, when Oseman is playing. Ben, did you notice that as well? Did you feel like this was as similar or as close to the way we played at the start of this season when we had everyone healthy?
0: Yeah, I think I can see little passages where we're getting back into our usual passages of play. We have familiar connections again, which we've obviously been lacking for weeks now. So, yeah, there was little glimpses of that. And and Osman is such a big, important piece, not just in the outlet of attack, but also defensively because his press is just so underrated because he he really goes and charges down the opponent's keeper and puts them under immediate pressure. They really have very long to think, and that often results in us winning the ball back in their third.
1: Yeah, and that's such an important part of this attack, right? Because it's a very attack-minded style that we play, and Spalletti's commented on this, and lots of managers who play attacking football, they want their teams to press. And as much as we all love Merton's at his age, he's doing his best to press. And, you know, he was doing it in the first half. We saw Skurupski play a ball straight out to touch. But at 34, 35 years old, you're not going to get there as quicker. The defenders, the goalkeeper, they're going to have more time to pass the ball off. And then, of course, Patania is just a big boy. <laughs> and we all joke about his his weight. I just think he's just such a big dude that he's inevitably not going to be as quick. So I think it's really important that Oseman presses the way he does, and he's the only player on this team that, that really offers that. So that'll do for part one. In part two, we'll start with the return of Fabian and Zielinski. Welcome to part two of the Fortunopoly podcast. So let's talk about two key players, in my opinion, that returned for this match. And that's Fabian Ruiz and Piotr Zelinsky. Fabian came back from injury and Zelensky came back from COVID. I don't even think he trained with the club. It seemed like he took a train or something on his own and met up with the team earlier in the day of the match. But they were two of the key players in this victory, I thought. Matt, what did you make of the play of those two players? I
2: thought they were both excellent. I mean, we clearly missed them in the game against Fiorentina, too. But, you know, just having them back, they controlled everything in midfield, created pretty much all of our chances in attack and just did a great job overall. And then even with LaBocca too, um winning balls in midfield. So just that trio was very impressive and it was a great match from them.
1: Yeah, you know, I didn't even comment on Laboca yet, but he's been playing so well and so consistently well and this was a match where everything was really firing, and I mean, part of it is on the play of Bologna as well, especially for our midfielders. I thought they were just giving us a little bit too much time on the ball, a little bit too much space. It seemed really easy for our midfielders to get between the lines and to turn. They weren't really pressing, and you know that's a very dangerous way of defending against Spalletti's style of attack, which is quick passes, short passes, uh, lots of movement off the ball. Ben, what did you think of Fabian and Zielinski in this match?
0: I thought they were amazing and really highlights just how much we really miss them when they're not out there together especially. But we were just so good at retaining the ball in general. I think just touching on Bologna sitting back and giving us too much time on the ball, like we were just so compact in the middle. Like They didn't even have opportunities to get in between the lines to even attempt to try and make anything of it. So I think they just sort of went, well, all right, look, We're not winning this battle. We're better off, you know, sitting a little bit back, letting them have the ball because we're not getting it off of them anyway, and then try and hit them on the counter. I think we really removed that element of their game, or at least the potential to have that option of their game and that outlet. We really suffocated them and forced them to sit back and only have that single outlet on hitting us on the break. And I mean, how many shots did they even have on goal? I mean, was it like two, three, four? Not many.
1: I think they had six, but there weren't really any serious threats. There were a lot of, I want to say three or four of those shots were straight at Medet. So we had one from Hickey. There was one, I think from uh, Skovolson in the second half, really their best shot was the one late in the match that hit the upright, but they weren't really that threatening at all. No, not at all. So, I mean, the other thing with Zielinski and Fabian is just the chemistry that they have together. right? And, I thought that was noticeable, especially in the attack. I think defensively we were we probably were fine. We're still the best team in terms of goals conceded. So, and you know, neither of them have been particularly good defenders during their time at Napoli. But it, offensively is I think where we really missed their creativity and and their vision in terms of the passing game. So that's a good segue, I think, to the second goal because they were such key parts of that goal. Ben, what did you think of the second goal?
0: The second goal was amazing. I mean the way the way Zielinski dropped in and um, Lobotka pushed up just that little bit, and then Ruiz just you know took the left wing. I've never seen Ruiz run that fast in my entire life, to be entirely honest. But um, team goals and, and Napoli. I mean, honestly, it's like Naples and the best pizza in the world. They just go together, don't they?
1: Yeah, especially this season, Matt. What did you think of the goal?
2: It was just a, a lovely team play. I mean, it was a wonderful ball from Zielinski to Fabian. And then, you know, Fabian played it into Lozano and he had a very composed finish, I thought, and just a well-deserved goal. And was very happy to see it.
1: Yeah. And I think that goes back to what I mentioned earlier, that once he got that first goal out of his system, I think that calms him down a little bit. And I wonder, you know, had he not scored that first goal, would he have maybe rushed the shot there? Would he have been so composed to just take the touch, let Skorupski and the defender take themselves out of the play, really, and then just set up that easy tap? in? but for me, the this was all about Zielinski and Fabian. The ball by Zielinski was ridiculous as well. There's the run by Fabian and kind of knowing that that's where Zelensky would look for him, or even just taking the space that was given to him, right? It's a simple thing, but you have to make the right decisions. But the pass by Zelensky, just Fabian didn't even take a touch. He played one touch to Lozano in front of the goal. And that's because the weight on the pass from Zelensky was so perfect that he didn't need to take any more touches than that. But altogether, like you both said, this was a a really nice team goal. I, I posted this on Twitter as well, but... The whole play, we went from basically our end of the pitch to the opposite end in 19 seconds, starting from Rachmani winning the first header on the ball that was played into the area. We made only eight passes in the buildup, and it only took us 12 touches to get that goal. So it was, it was a great team goal, and it was something that I thought was reflective of what we saw a lot in training in the summer. There were some papers that were broadcasting the training sessions and I watched most of them. Now, obviously during the season, you don't get that type of footage. But one thing that stood out to me that during those training sessions was that there was a lot of scrimmage sessions, which is something that Spalletti is known for. From what I read from, from his time at Roma and and other places with that, he feels like that's the best way to kind of replicate an actual live game. And even in those scrimmage sessions, there would be times where you were only allowed two touches, and then they would practice where you were only allowed one touch. And I think that's now translating on the pitch and has for most of the season, where you're seeing guys play just one-touch passes, taking two touches, And, and on this goal, no player took more than two touches. And even then, you know, it was really just to set up the next pass. So I think this was really a good demonstration of... Spalletti ball or Sadi ball, if you want to call it that, because it's very similar to that. I want to talk about Alex Medet next, because this was an opportunity for him and is an opportunity for him to show his worth. There's rumors about whether he'll renew with Napoli or not. And I think a lot of that would be contingent on assurances about being the starting goalkeeper or not. That kind of depends on. David Ospina's contract, which comes up for renewal first, so I think the club needs to first make a decision, or the club and Ospina together need to make a decision on his contract, and I think that might dictate what happens to Medet. I want to get your thoughts on his performance because he got a clean sheet, but I think there were a little bit of nerves there. Matt, what did you think of Medet's performance?
2: Uh, Overall, I actually thought he had a pretty solid performance. I think there was. One opportunity at the very beginning of the game where uh, it looked like Svanberg played a through ball into Soriano and Moret ended up, he didn't come out quick enough, but he ended up making the save anyways. And I think the announcers were saying that that might even been called offside. So not too terribly worried about that. But other than that, I think he made the important saves when they mattered. Arnautovic had a couple good chances on goal. And, um, you know, he came up and made the saves. So overall, I thought he actually had a pretty decent performance,
1: probably one of his best of the season so far. Okay, and Ben, what do you think?
0: Yeah, there was that uh, Soriano moment where there was definitely some hesitation. But I think for me that, I guess the bit that really frustrates me about him is that he's so good when the ball is kicked directly at him. He's got great reflexes and he really does, you know, save you know, some incredible shots when they're relatively straight at him. But when it comes to him to make those decisions to leave the six yard box, I think it's just, it's so reoccurring that he hesitates and doesn't command the area. Like he's almost like a bit, he's almost like a young kid that's like playing three grades up and is like hesitant, like all the big guys are going to, you know, probably batter me or something like that. If I, if I try and, you know, jump for the ball or something like that, there's just always seems to be this kind of hesitation. And that's the bit for me that, um, yeah, I'd be really hoping that we uh, re-sign Ospina otherwise I think we're going to be in a bit of trouble.
1: Personally. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a great way to put it with someone playing 3 grades up because your keeper needs to be commanding. He needs to feel like this is my area and you're coming into it and I really do not get that feeling from him. You know, I don't want to crap on the guy because he did get a clean sheet and he did make some important saves in this match. But yeah, and and I'm even willing to dismiss that one chance that Matt mentioned that Soriano had because maybe it's a little bit of nerves having not played in a little while, fine. But at the same time, I completely agree, Ben, that it's his decision making that concerns me. There was another play in the second half where Bologna played across into the area, There didn't seem to be much of a threat, and instead of just catching it, he punched it out. And you know, who knows where the ball goes when you do that, right? So I am concerned about his communication in the area. I am concerned about his decision-making. Well, he'll have probably a couple of matches before Ospina comes back. I don't think Ospina is expected to come back until after the international break, which would be, I think, I want to say the Venezia match. Uh, is the first one back, or if not, it's it's Inted, and you know I think so far, again, just like with Lozano, we can't really base much on one performance. I'm willing to give Medes more time, even though he's had his fair share of appearances this season. But for me, this is really his tryout, and you know the club is going to make a decision based on how he does in these couple of matches. That will do for part two. In part three, we'll provide some general thoughts on the match. Welcome to part 3 of the Forza Napoli podcast. I want to close the pod with just an open discussion on the match as a whole. It wasn't, you know, the most exciting, thrilling. I think we were all very happy to get a nice, comfortable victory. I, I was a little bit concerned because Bologna can be one of those teams. They've had a pretty strong season. They can be a team like a Hellas Verona that on their day, you know, a Torino right now, On their day, they can take points away from you. Uh, Matt, were you, obviously you're satisfied, but anything that stood out to you from this performance on on either end?
2: Um, I do think it was a little bit tough for Bologna. I think perhaps maybe Dominguez started the match. Maybe that would have been a little bit different in midfield for them. They also missed Gary Medell at center back. He's not the best center back in the league, but brings more experience. And um, better decision making than, say, Binks in the center and the defensive line. So I think they missed a couple of key players, and it was good that we were able to take advantage of that and come out with three points.
1: Yeah, I think with Dominguez, what I was reading was that one is that he's debating having surgery. I don't know if it's a shoulder injury, it might be something similar to what Mertens had. So There's talks that if he has that, he could be out for a couple of months. And then he's also been linked to, I mean, this time of year, everyone's (laughs) rumored to be transferred. So I wonder if that played into it. I was surprised that Medell didn't play because he did return, but I think he was one of the players that just recently tested uh, negative for COVID. So it might've been a COVID thing, not being fully fit that he didn't play. Ben, anything that stood out to you in this match, uh, positive or negative?
0: Yeah, I think the last thing that I can think of was uh, that the, was it, Tiarte that stomped on Lozano's leg. That was a pretty blatant stomp, I think, on Lozano's leg. He had every opportunity to just simply step over his foot. But
1: yeah, I don't know. That was a little shocking, not shocking, I suppose. Yeah, I think that's one of those things where, again, we look at the consistency of the officiating because it wasn't all that different from the foul that got Lozano sent off against Fiorentina in the Coppa Italia. And then, you know, he gets stomped on. A little bit different because he was already on the ground. But, I mean, you're still putting your studs into the ankle or whatever the foot of an opponent. And I think he just got a yellow card. I don't know if they looked at it. One thing about Marinelli in this match was that, at least early on, I was worried about that as well because it, it looked like he was he really liked the sound of his own voice. <laughs> he, you know, he, he made a point to go over to Spalletti and, and give him a lecture. And I'm thinking, oh, no, here we go. Here's another red card for Spalletti. We have Bonucci doing whatever he did to the to the Inter staff guy for, for celebrating in the Supercopa. We've got Rebic grabbing a, an official by the head. And I'm thinking, oh, here we go. Spalletti going to be the one that gets the red card. He didn't. Actually, one of our our staff members did, (laughs) but uh, at least Spalletti didn't. And then there were just moments in this match where I thought that uh, Marinelli wanted to just hear his own voice. So I'm glad it didn't end up coming to that. It it might have. I think had we not scored and had this match finished nil-nil, I think a lot of us probably would have been sitting there debating some non-calls for penalties There was one in the first half with Hickey. He made a sly tackle where the ball may or may not have come off his arm. Let's go through those quickly. Do you think, uh, Ben, that that was uh, the right non-call?
0: I do. I'm so glad those nonsensical calls don't get called. I'm a strong believer that if you are going to make a stand for wanting those calls, then you've got to be willing to receive them. And quite frankly, I'm so sick and tired of receiving those sorts of calls. So I absolutely don't want us to uh, to be the beneficiary of those either.
1: Yeah, uh, Matt,
2: do you agree? Yeah, that was spot on, Ben. Yeah, couldn't agree more.
1: The best way to be objective is to ask yourself how you would feel if the roles were reversed. And I, I think it was. I mean, the handball rule changes so regularly that it's it's hard to really know at any point in time. But it wasn't unnatural in any way. He's sliding. I mean, yeah, maybe the ball might have glanced off his arm, but there was definitely nothing there for me. There was also the play where Sumauro got his hand up on Rachmani in the area, a play that wasn't too different than the one that got Osaman sent off earlier in the season. Matt, do you think uh, the yellow card there was the correct decision?
2: Uh, yes, I do. I mean, It all goes back to consistency, too. I mean, of course, you know, we saw that same thing with C man and he got a red card and then sent off for what? Didn't he miss out on two matches? At least one, I know that. Mm -hmm. And so it's just kind of frustrating to see the lack of consistency with the decisions, but I'm glad he at least got a yellow card for it.
1: What it was was initially a two-match suspension, and then we appealed, and I think our appeal made reference to a play that Chiro Immobile made in a, a match, I want to say, against Inter last season, and then they reduced the suspension to one game, if I'm not mistaken. Ben, do you agree, was a, a yellow card the right caller?
0: I do. I do. I think it's more the case of um, Osaman was probably mishandled as opposed to the yellow card being the right call.
1: Yeah, so I think we have consensus on this one as well. I think the key difference was... I didn't really see much of sort of a swinging motion. Whereas in, in Oseman's case, it, it looked like a clear retaliation. And yes, he was provoked. But he just sort of lost his cool for half a second and, and swung. Whereas Sumaro, I don't know if there was anything intentional there. Sometimes as a defender, you're just putting your arm up to kind of control where the opponent is standing, right? It's not necessarily that you're trying to hurt him in any way. There was another play in the second half where Fabian went down in the area Ben, do you think that one was a possible penalty kick?
0: To be honest with you, I actually didn't catch that. So I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. I actually...
1: yeah, so we'll call that a no then. <laughs> it, I mean, it was pretty subtle. There, It wasn't much there. I think uh, I want to say that Zelensky played a, a bit of a chip pass over the top. And it looked like perhaps the defender might have got his arm underneath Fabian's armpit or around his chest sort of area. But I thought it would have been another soft decision. Matt, do you recall that one?
2: Yeah, I do. Um, and it, it's funny because when we were talking about the link-up play between uh, Zielinski and, and Fabian, that's immediately the play that I was thinking of. But uh, no, I, I didn't think it warranted enough of a penalty, but it was just great to see Zielinski and Fabian combining again. And it seemed like they were playing a lot of those balls across the top in the match. So it was kind of fun to see.
1: Yeah, they were. I think a quick comment on Spalletti. I think it's easy to criticize when we don't have our full squad. And I think it was Vincenzo who's been making the point that, you know, had this been Gattuso in charge this season when we were dropping points in December, the criticism would have been harsher. But I think at the same time, It's also how the managers carry themselves and whether they make excuses or as they say in Italy, alibis, right? And that was part of not to to kind of always rehash this and bring it back up. I feel like I bring it up again and again. But the way Spalletti has handled himself has been very professional. He's never really made excuses. He's always kind of said that we have good enough players that we can, we should be able to compete in these matches. Obviously, you know, when you're losing that many players and you're playing that many games in such a short period of time, it's it's going to be difficult. But I think Spalletti has these guys playing really well. I, I love that moment. I don't know if you guys caught it in the match, but uh, I think it was Almas that was pressing and he was kind of neither here nor there. And because there was a limit of only 5,000 people in attendance... You could hear Spalletti yell, I think it was Vaci uh, Forte, which was <laughs> kind of like going hard, right? And I don't know. I don't think there were any visiting fans in attendance, but I still heard a bit of a reaction from the fans. So, you know, I think Spalletti is doing a great job. I think we're going to start to see the same style of play. We didn't really lose the style of play, but maybe the same results and this might be the first result that was the closest to the results that we were getting when we went on that unbeaten streak at the start of the season.
0: Just with the with what you were saying just then about the the comparison between Gattuso and Spalletti right now, I think for me the key difference is we might have lost some games and probably some games we probably shouldn't have as well, and I guess that is the connection with the comparison between the two, but I think the difference is for me, we're missing key plays, but we're not, it doesn't seem like we're just throwing shit at the wall and hoping and seeing what sticks. And I feel like that was kind of Gattuso's plan B slash C, whereas Spalletti was still holding shape. We're still utilizing players' characteristics to formulate some sort of coherent plan.
1: I completely agree with that. I think if you look at just total points collected, it's probably been pretty close. But if you take a closer look at some of those performances, we lost to Atalanta, but we actually played very well in that match. Even, you know, the Inter match, we lost that match, but we came very close to getting a result. I think we missed a big chance near the end of that match. It could have been a draw against what's clearly the best team in the league now. Sassuolo, we played well for probably the first hour and then that's where the injuries and the tired legs caught up to us. So when you look at it a bit closer, the team has been playing well pretty consistently. There haven't been that many performances where we sat back and said, wow, this was a, a really dreadful performance, at least in yeah. I mean, we could probably say that about the Coppa Italia match against Fiorentina. But I think Ben and I are both on the same page, I know for sure, on on this point, which is that I think we're fine losing that match because it's not that high of a priority when we know we need to get into the top four. And for me, the biggest disappointment with that match was that it ended up going to extra time. I would have much rather just lost in in regulation time. We got that late Patania goal. But I think with going back to comparing Gattuso and Spalletti, it was just that with Gattuso, we had some performances that were just really, really dreadful, and it didn't give us a lot of hope. Obviously, we ended up going on a pretty good run in the second half of the season but the style of play I think is a big uh, difference would you agree with that assessment Matt
2: yeah absolutely um I think some of the biggest differences between Spalletti and Gattuso is well for Spalletti I think he's gotten the best out of you know our role players like you mentioned in the match against Atalanta that was pretty much our whole second squad and you know I can't imagine and I like Gattuso too like I don't, I don't want to Harp on him too much, but like, I can't imagine a match last season seeing a guy like Juan Jesus, Rachmani, Lobotka, and like, actually be confident before the match that we could still maybe even get a result. So I think, I think that's kudos to Spalletti this season. You know, our attack, we might not be scoring as many goals as we were under Gattuso, but I think we've uh, leveled that out with our defense. I think our defense has improved a ton. And uh, we don't see a lot of those, like, silly mistakes that we made last season under Gattuso. And then, I mean, uh, a couple of the other matches that you didn't mention, the Empoli and Spezia one. I mean, those two, we got losses on those, but really they were fluke goals and just fluke losses. Like, I think, what was it, we were the only team in history not to concede a single shot on target and still lose the game. It's just crazy, so... But overall, I think Spalletti's done a great job.
1: Spalletti might as well have like a PhD in psychology because going back to the difference in how these guys handle themselves in the media, you think back to Gattuso, and it was just, what do you expect? I have so many injuries; I'm missing so many players. What do you expect? And you know, I think for the guys that are fit to play, it's a little bit discouraging. Like it, that's not really the vote of confidence you're looking from the manager. Then you contrast that with Spalletti and what he has said all along is we have 23 strong players. Yes, we have injuries, but we're not making excuses. The guys that we have are good enough to win matches. And that's a very different message to the players that are fit to play. You know, like you said, guys like Juan Jesus, who nobody had any expectations for, has done just fine. Guys like Lobotka, who has actually come out and said, well, yeah, I could have lost the weight last season, but Gattuso wasn't going to play me anyways. So why bother? And now he's being compared to Jorginho, right? So, and which is a bit of a stretch, let's be honest. But you know, he's having a fantastic season. So I think that's where even though I sometimes wonder how genuine Spalletti actually is when, when he's in the media, because the way he speaks is kind of in poems and riddles and things. But I think uh, psychologically, he's, he's had a huge impact on this team. All right, so that's all we have time for today. I want to thank both of you guys for coming on the pod. Ben, thanks for coming back. Thanks
2: very much for having me. It's been fun. Thank yeah, you, Joe. It's always a pleasure.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's been a pleasure for me as well, and I hope to have you both back on soon. Uh, you can find both of our guests on Twitter. Ben is at Caserta Campagna. Matt is at La Neve Matt. You can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fischetti 5 and you can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Forza Pod. I'll be back soon with a bonus episode, so keep your eyes out for that. But until then, I'm Joe Fischetti, Forza ForzaNapoli sempre!
0: Podcast Network.